Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Village Global's Venture Stories. I'm here today joined by two very special guests, Rishi Tripathi at OnDeck and Jay Kennedy at Floodgate. Rishi, Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Eric. So both of you are our chief of staffs at your respective companies on, on Deck at Floodgate, and we're here today to talk about the role of, of a chief of staff, uh, how it's evolved, how people should think about it, both on the CEO side and the chief of staff side. Why don't we start by, by introductions? Um, Jay, perhaps we'll start with you. What does chief of staff mean at Floodgate, and how did you become uh, come to become one? Yeah, so... I think every every firm will have a slightly different flavor on the chief of staff. Uh, for Floodgate, it's kind of been a program that we've had for the past, let's say, five years, um, where someone will come in for about two years. And for the first six months, uh, you'll work with Mike Maples on our team, the second six months with Anne Murico. And then for the full second year, it's a two-year program. Uh, it's very self-directed. So wherever you found yourself most activated over the course of that first year is where you can spend your time over that whole second year. Obviously, 2020 being what it is, it's been much more independently focused. Uh, and so I've been focused on our consumer investments mostly. Awesome. Rishi? Yeah. It's fascinating, Jay, to hear about how Floodgate does it because for me, it's entirely different, right? So my background is in product and I joined OnDeck as a product manager actually initially. And then... Over time, I started getting feedback that I was poking my nose into a lot of different places, trying to be helpful wherever I could. And uh, eventually, as the company grew, uh, over the first sort of three months I was here, we nearly tripled in headcount. Sort of, we, we started to deal with a lot of the of the challenges that come with scaling a, a company. And so, uh, David asked me to, to come on as chief of, as chief of staff because I had this knack for sort of knowing what was going on in in most places at most times and and adding value where I could. So. I almost see myself now as still a PM, but instead of my product being some technology product, uh, it's actually the sort of our executive team and our board and, and making sure that the company is working towards the right goals. So I come at it from a very different perspective, uh, investments versus product. But, uh, it's there's, all, a, there's a nosiness to, to <laughs> a lot of chiefs of staff. You can't help but kind of have your hands or at least know what's going on in a lot of different places. Yeah, t- totally. Why don't we talk about at a high level, why has the chief of staff role become so popular? Why does every, uh, or why do a lot of young people want to do it nowadays? And why should they? Why, why is it a good, good thing for, for people to aspire to do? Not just young people, but people in general. Uh, I will kind of point out the obvious there in that you get your hands in a little bit of everything. And so for someone early in their career who maybe doesn't want to align themselves to a specific function, it kind of kicks that can down the road a little bit. <laughs> I'll be quite honest. <laughs> Rishi, wondering if uh, if you have a similar or different perspective. Yeah, I think for a lot of people, it, it can be similar, right? Like over time, we've seen this sort of kicking the can down the road, taking many different forms, right? Where initially, it might have been uh, going to grad school, right? Stay in school for another couple of years, trying to figure out what you want to do, get an MBA, etc. Uh, at some point, it was management consulting, right? Where it's like, go work across a bunch of different fields uh, and see what sticks and what doesn't. And now... Maybe to, to some degree, the chief of staff is taking that role. I see it a little bit differently. I'm actually quite positive on, on what I want to do. Uh, I think in mid to long term, I want to be 
involved in product uh, and entrepreneurship in technology, right? Generally, right? Uh, and I know sort of that function. And the way that I see the chief of stuff role playing in, in, into that vision is I basically, in, in where I sit today, get to work with our CEO, David and Eric, and really see what's going through their head as they're building a business. And I think for an aspiring entrepreneur, being a chief of staff is actually one of the one of the most real simulations of starting a company that you can do, especially if you're young and you want to learn from somebody who, who's currently doing it. Yeah. Talk about on the CEO side. I'm sure there are a lot of founders listening in who think, oh, you know, should I have a chief of staff? If so, when should I have a chief of staff? What's your advice on, on from the founder perspective? Yeah. The first conversation that David and I had about me stepping into the chief of staff role was on my birthday this year in October, actually. Uh, and he sent me an article to this first round review piece that I think is amazing. Maybe we can link it in the description below. But it basically talks about what are the criteria for wanting a chief of staff. And a lot of CEOs, I think, uh, when their company starts to grow and scale, maybe beyond 10, 15 people, or they start hitting whatever hockey stick that you want to you call it, there's some need for something more, for more support in, in the role of the CEO, right? And that can take many forms. Sometimes it's executive assistant uh, working with sort of administrative tasks. Sometimes it's a COL where you need a, a sort of a, a big time operator stepping into some big shoes to, to help you scale the company. And somewhere in that middle ground is a uh, chief of staff, I think, for somebody who's able to be agile, nimble, context rich, but also able to, to do what needs to get done to, to execute and operate quickly. I definitely recommend you check out the piece. But I think that's my take on it. Uh, it. It really is a feel thing. Like a CEO, I think, will start to feel when things are starting to stretch and, and, and change and, and mutate within their company and, and bringing a chief of staff in can, can do wonders to help scale the CEO and sort of give them superpowers, I think. Jay, I'm curious if, you, if there's any sort of portfolio companies you've worked with or founders that you've talked to that have, that have talked about something similar or your own experience. Yeah, I would say that uh, you touched on two of the key themes there. One is being the force multiplier for the CEO. So when the CEO, you know, you're never not stretched then. But when you really start to feel like you're starting to rip apart in some way, uh, a chief of staff can be a great way to be that force multiplier where you can kind of be uh, the shadow of the CEO, whether you're in the same room, but also to be in other meetings and kind of be that envoy for the CEO uh, in lieu of them being there. The other piece is, you know, I don't think that every single CEO needs a chief of staff, but there are there are certain archetypes that really benefit from one. Um, I think any CEO that tries to process information externally, they need a sounding board. Uh, you can't really do better than a chief of staff, right? Because they are as context rich. I actually love that phrase, Rishi. But they are, they are in your corner. They don't have an agenda. Their whole agenda is aligned to yours. Um, because if the CEO succeeds, the chief of staff succeeds and vice versa. Um, so there's someone who can be uh, completely in line with you on everything that's going on in your life and your business. Uh, often chief of staff roles can sometimes cross the line between personal and professional. Um, at least in my experience. And it's, it's just a great way to keep yourself sane if you need just that external information processing. Let's go back to the pitch as to why, why people should consider it as a career. You, you, you were half teasing, but you were talking about for people who want to delay, you know, figuring out exactly what they want to do next. How about in, in terms of just the long arc of people's careers? What, what type of things does Chief of Staff set you up to be able to do? Or what type of skills do you, do you learn on the, what type of training is it for, for, you know, uh, a, a long career? The way I think of an uh, chief of staff role is the the latest iteration of a model that we've seen for as long as trades have existed. It's the apprenticeship model, right? Working as a chief of staff gets you directly into the head 
of your CEO uh, or whatever executive that you're working with. And so you're learning all of those skills just by exposure and by osmosis. You're in the meetings, you're debriefing those meetings, you're understanding how people are unpacking very complex issues. And naturally, just by engaging in those day in and day out, you're developing your own executive functions that way as well. Um, in terms of how the chief of staff role fits into a larger career, I think one, it, it trains you on those executive functions, but two, what you don't get in a traditional executive role is actually having to put someone else at the center of your universe and actually being an executive and a support function at the same time. You're going to develop a degree of empathy. You're going to understand this person inside out. Um, and this will also extend to all of the projects that you're managing, right? You're never going to have direct reports reporting into you, but you're still the person who is tasked with getting things done. Um, so being able to influence across those functions without being able to just kind of flex on people uh, is something that can manifest itself in a lot of different ways in a lot of future roles. Yeah, I think, Jay, the point that I want to highlight that really resonates with me and my experience is osmotic learning, right? It was learning through osmosis, being in the same room, talking to people about what they're doing and how they're thinking about it. I, I struggle with this sometimes because I think I'm learning a lot, clearly, uh, and I can feel that. But sometimes to I have a want or a need to justify to myself what I am learning, and then I can't go and write down what did I learn this week or this month or this quarter. And it's it's somewhat frustrating, but at the same time, it's also pretty fascinating to me that I can feel so much growth without really knowing how to put it into words. And I think uh, executive function is, is a huge part of that. And I think sort of what I've learned very quickly is that the most important executive function is just judgment. So being able to see and talk about how people make decisions and then see, being able to see the outcome of those decisions with most of the time, your neck not being on the line, right? I, I think that's just such a powerful experience to be able to almost observe this experiment and then be able to participate and, and add context and, and advise when needed. But that's just, yeah, general general leadership and management and seeing how teams are put together, uh, organizational structures is also something that's fascinating to me. And just to have this, the vantage point shared with the CEO on how uh, a company or a team is growing is, is going to be incredibly useful no matter what I do next, uh, in my opinion, uh, even though I do have sort of some idea of where, where I want to head. I don't know. There was something in what you said that reminded me of uh, one of my favorite movies. Have either of you seen The Devil Wears Prada? With uh, no, but I'm uh, there's a line in the movie, uh, basically, uh, Anne Hathaway's character is, uh, really just busting her butt trying to get, uh, you know, everything done for Meryl Streep's character, who's basically the editor of this big important fashion magazine. And throughout the movie, she's just trying to, to keep her act together and people keep telling her a million girls would kill for this job. Um, and I just kind of find myself saying that to myself pretty often, just because like, it's extremely lucky to be able to be in one of these seats and get exposed to the the types of thinking, the types of people, you know, venture capital is very much a bubble, startups are very much a bubble, it's tough to get in, let alone at the level of uh, the executives. Um, and so to be so early in my career and be in the rooms where so much is happening is something that I'm pretty endlessly grateful for. I'm just going to toss the, the Hamilton reference explicitly out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of stacking them up right now. I've got a film and a play already. We'll see how far I go. Awesome. How about in terms of archetypes? Like, how would you know you, the hypothetical you, that you're a good fit to be someone's chief of staff? And, and similarly, if you're a CEO hiring for chief of staff, what are you looking for in that person? You have to be really willing to 
like you can't be credit seeking. You can't be a person who like wants to hang their hat on something at the end of the day. You can't be building actively building your resume and like thinking through like, oh, this was my line item. Like this was the impact that I had. It is all about putting the exec that you're supporting at the center of your world um, and being willing to take a back seat to that in exchange for all of the great things that you learn from the experience. Um, if you're not willing to do that, I don't think you're going to enjoy the chief of staff day to day. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I guess I'll add to that a little bit and say, I think that some of the more important skills, at least sort of in my experience in, a, in a operating startups, talking to some chief of staff there is the ability to be just like very comfortable with ambiguity and not really understand, maybe not understanding, but just sort of putting outcomes first and, and understanding what needs to get done and then going and doing it. Again, right, Jay, to your point, not looking for something to hang your hat on or to come out with like a line item like I was talking about earlier. I think that that's super important. And the other is just the ability to to trust and, and be trusted. You have to be comfortable having a lot of confidence and faith put in you. Even if you don't know if you're 100% ready for it, you have to be willing to accept it as a chief of staff and you have to be willing to give it as an executive. Um, because these sorts of relationships are built over time. There's a reason why these engagements tend to be a year and a half, two years, three years uh, on average. It takes time to, to ramp up in these roles and it takes time to get really good. And, and a huge part of that is just the, the get two people getting comfortable trusting and being trusted. And there's going to be a little element of just personality fit there, right? You know, that's not to say that no two people couldn't be paired as exec and chief of staff. But I will say in my experience at Floodgate, I was I felt like I was a good fit for both Mike and Anne in my time kind of working directly with them. Yeah, one great exercise that David and I did that I picked up from a, a previous apprenticeship I did with Schlafman actually, uh, is this idea of personal user manuals where each person sort of writes down a guide of like how to work with them, right? And, and you share it beforehand. And if you do that exercise up front and understand sort of each other's communication style and expectations of how are we going to work together, um, it can save miles of agony down the road, I think. And it, it's been a tremendous exercise for, for David and I to present it. I love that. Let's segue uh, into, so Rishi, you are, um, in addition to Chief Staff at OnDeck, you are leading the Chief of Staff Fellowship, uh, fittingly. So, so why don't you describe uh, why we're doing the Chief of Staff Fellowship, what, what are the goals of it, and, and why should uh, Chief of Staffs consider uh, being part of it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, super excited for this program of starting. And I think where it starts is, is with what OnDeck is, right? What we're looking to create is this space where people who want to build are able to do so and find others who think similarly and, and want to be able to, to encourage people to, to build the future of their dreams. And we're seeing across all of our programs, there's more companies, more founders, more investors. And now we're starting to see some of the founders that are going through the program start to scale their businesses. And one thing that comes up often, especially for a lot of these first time founders is it's really hard to be an exec, right? And there's, Plenty of literature out there on that, so I'm not going to belabor that point, but where the chief of staff comes in and where the chief of staff fellowship, I think, comes in is in addition to needing to supercharge the founders themselves, there's this huge opportunity to supercharge the superchargers. I said supercharge a lot and it probably has lost all meaning at this point, but I think what the chief of staff fellowship is capable of doing is uh, it, there's a couple of key things, right? One is providing a support system for the chiefs of staff, right? It's a lonely role. You, you don't really report to anybody. You don't really have a team. Uh, because you're sort of this free safety uh, player w within the organization, making sure that the things that need to get done, get done. So providing that support system and deep network. But then also, uh, there's a very real educational and tactical aspect to it, where 
you bring people together, each of whom have their own learning style and their own executive and their own relationship that they're building. If you just get people in a room, you start talking about it. Like there's a lot of valuable stuff that's going to come out. And I guarantee you, no two people who, who come through this fellowship are going to have the same experience and no two are going to leave the same in that you're just going to be exposed to so many fascinating viewpoints. And I think in addition to sort of making chiefs of staff just 10 times better at their job to be able to serve their execs better, there's also this huge opportunity to to raise awareness for the role generally and, and sort of the need and the value that it can provide when done right. Um, and also hopefully preventing people from approaching it with uh, an attitude that maybe might stifle their progress uh, of their team or their company or their exec. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions, I think, around the role. And by bringing sort of people who, who have been doing it for a long time, along with uh, together with people who maybe are just starting their careers and, and are chiefs of staff, I think is going to be an incredibly powerful experience. And we're excited to have Jay as one of our founding fellows. I'm, I'm the biggest stan of all things on deck, so I'm just happy to be included. And let's give some examples of things that you've learned while, while on the job. I mean, partially, my, my broader question is, is just how do you get better at it? Speed. Just, uh, I, this is kind of a mantra of mine in, in most things that I do, but get faster, like figure out your productivity hacks, figure out your workflow, figure out, uh, if you're the type of person who appreciates multitasking or if you're the type of person who needs to block time for things, figure out how to engineer your life to be as productive as possible because that's, that's what you're there for. You're there to be that force multiplier. You're there to be in a thousand places at once with a never ending to do list. And so the more things you can tick off of that the better. Yeah. And, and maybe this point right on top, layering on top of what you said, Jay, speed is useful because it tightens your feedback loops and feedback loops are the only thing that allow us to get better. Uh, and if we can get better faster, then nothing can stop us. Uh, I think that like making sure within your role that you were taking time to check in and get feedback on, on the things that you're doing and how you're delivering, right? It's easy for two people to be so busy that they get frustrated with the other's output and then that starts brewing over time. So making there, there's like clear communication tactics that you can use to be able to communicate with your exec better. At the same time, the, those are useful because again, you're tightening your feedback loops and, and you're getting better faster. I think almost it's like the concept of meta learning with learning how to learn so you can learn anything, but uh, really with delivering and, and with creating outcomes for, for your team. Yeah. And, and, and Jay, um, I'm curious because you've been doing it for a few years now. What have you learned about how to, you mentioned so much of it is, is about the relationship and sometimes it blurs into the personal. What have you learned about what's really important in terms of strengthening that relationship in, ter in terms of how to do it and, and what advice do you give to others? I mean, so much of people, you know, going to this fellowship, one of the most important things obviously is the, is the relationship with the, with, with the CEO or the person that they're work working with so intimately. What have you seen be effective or, or, or what do you advise? What's been interesting to me is walking that line between being supportive, but also knowing when to push. Um, and I know that that's something that you could apply to any role or any dynamic between a manager and a direct report. Um, but I think specifically in a chief of staff type role, you're there to be a thought partner. You're not there to just be a gopher. Um, you are there to synthesize everything that's going wrong. Um, and if you think that the exec that you're partnered with is missing something and they're repeatedly missing something because for whatever reason, they might not be in the headspace. Uh, they might have a couple other things on their mind. They might have context that you might not have. But until you know whatever is driving that and you feel that incongruity, you have to keep pushing on it uh, until you get direct alignment with everyone because otherwise you're not doing your job in being 
the representative of them when they're not in the room um, if you feel that disconnect. Yeah. We should say, say more about the program in terms of for people who are you know potentially interested, but they're thinking about what the format might be or just what, what can they expect? Uh, what can they expect to get out of it? And, you know, what, what will that program, it was not just within the eight weeks, but, you know, just being a part of the on deck community uh, at large after graduating. Yeah, definitely. So first, I, I just want to say, uh, if you're a chief of staff, I generally highly encourage you to, to do the program. I think it's going to be a great experience. We have some great folks involved. Jay, not the least of them. And I think what people can expect is the ability and the opportunity to understand how the role is done in other instances, right? Because as a chief of staff, you really only have your own instance to compare it to broadly, right? And so bring, being able to bring those people together through things like dedicated mastermind peer groups, right? Where you're having peer accountability. It's a support network where you're able to sort of share what's tough, what's going on, what are your wins and be able to celebrate and, and collaborate together in those sorts of forums is one thing. There's also the ability to learn from people who are doing things differently than you. Um, we have people who are involved who have been chiefs of staff or who've been senior execs at like great companies and are now transitioning to chief of staff. And they, they're, they bring very different things to that role than, uh, somebody younger, uh, maybe with, maybe somebody young brings high energy and maybe somebody else can learn from that and some other people can learn from experience. Yeah. So there's the educational aspect. There's this support group and accountability aspect. There's this general then connection to the on deck ecosystem, right? Where as part of on deck, Jay is a fellow and can speak to this. He he can and anybody can understand what it takes to actually go out and do things. Right for too long, um, education has revolved around theory, and with the ability for the internet and for the way that we communicate and get things done today, there's this huge opportunity. Like I was talking about earlier, to tighten your feedback loops and to deliver on things faster get feedback from the public faster and just being exposed to the quality of builders who are in the on deck ecosystem as angel investors or writers or founders or chiefs of staff, most especially, um, I think is, is just going to be a huge accelerant to anybody who, who's involved in that network. And I think uh, at the end of the day, right, network is, is useful because it's a multiplier for luck, right? The odds that the right person that you need to talk to go up exponentially as there's more people in that room and we're excited to, to start that room for chiefs of staff uh, this March. The one thing that I would add on to that just from my own experience in the in the on-deck community is with every on-deck cohort, yes, you are increasing your luck by bringing all of these incredibly impressive people together. But one thing that on-deck has done incredibly well is that it brings down the walls between those people so, so well, where there's no fear to reach out um, and actually create a connection with someone. I think that that is the real secret sauce behind things. You're bringing together all of these impressive people, but that's been done before. That's uh, the university system. That's uh, a lot of great summits with great leaders. Um, but the on deck is truly on deck community is truly a community where you feel like you belong. You feel like you're supposed to be there. You feel included. You feel like you can make mistakes, um, and you make pretty fantastic connections as a result. Okay, so we were just talking about what why. A chief of staff should join this program. Of course, the other side of the equation is why CEO should let their chief of staff do this or why they should expense it. Um, why, why should a founder do, do that, Rishi? Yeah, time is the most valuable asset uh, if you're building a company or if you're building anything, really, because it's the only thing you can't get back. We live in a, in a day and age where there's a lot of sort of value creation happening and money can, can you can get money back but the, and you can build relationships over time. But the thing that you can't get back is time. 
And that's especially true for CEOs. So whether a CEO has a chief of staff or not, uh, I think they could all use more time. And uh, the ability to send your chief of staff, if you have one, to to the on-deck program and for them to go learn how to be 5%, 10% more efficient, um, that's going to pay dividends, if not in weeks, then in months, and most certainly uh, over the course of their tenure. And it's not only going to show that you're investing in them uh, and their own development in conjunction with that of your team, but it's just going to be a, a force multiplier for their effectiveness and is going to help them succeed while they're your chief of staff and, and beyond as well. Um, I think any chief of staff would would greatly appreciate the, the opportunity for to be sponsored basically by by their executive to, to come participate. Awesome. Well, this is a this is a great place to wrap. Uh, Rishi Jay, uh, this has been a great episode. Um, for people who want to learn, you know, follow your work or, or learn more about it, wh- where can you point them? Uh, Jay, how about you? Yeah, uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter. Who knows what you're going to find there? At James W. Kennedy. Awesome. And, and Rishi? Yeah, I'm also on Twitter. Rishi underscore Tripathi underscore. You might link it. And of course, you can find uh, the most relevant of my work today at standdeck.com. Awesome. And and you can find us on, on Product Hunt today. We, we've, we've just launched and uh, we're excited to see people, uh, see, see listeners a part of it. Um, thanks, Rishi. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Eric. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out at villageglobal.vc.